Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome, welcome to the Terra Styles podcast. Yay. <laughs> my goodness, today I'm thrilled to share with you my good and longtime friend, sort of soul companion, Quentin Venny. He's amazing. He's overcome so much trauma and abuse of his childhood and early adult life. And he's written about it so beautifully in his memoir, Strong in the Broken Places. So if that pulls on your attention, on your heart at all, I highly recommend that you read his book. It's beautifully written. It's so vulnerable and sharing, and it weaves hope and practices. I know Quentin because he found my yoga videos on YouTube, and we kind of found our way to each other. He was blogging about anxiety and stress and eating well and doing yoga or our friend's website, Mind Body Green, and all sorts of websites. So I met him actually at an event when he was on the other side, sort of building his career around this stuff and sharing about this stuff. And now he has a wonderful tea company called Equity, which has an amazing story behind it. He's figured out how to use tea as medicine and figured out how to translate all the ancient benefits of tea in a very practical and modern way. And it tastes super good. (laughs) And he's got it in cans and it's in stores and I'm so proud of him. And it's a wonderful company. Anyway, Quentin Vinny, here we go. Let's dig into it. See you on the other side. You were talking about anxiety before I heard anybody talking about anxiety, even with blogs. And I mean, we met at the Mind Body Green thing and they weren't talking about anxiety. Like Huffington Post wasn't talking about anxiety. Like these were like the outlets then. And yep. and I just remember being like, you're sharing stuff that's that a lot of other people are going through that have different stories. And I don't know. It just, you know, you know, you never win for being the first one, <laughs> you know, but but maybe That's now it's so accurate. That <laughs> you is know? Absolutely. And I felt that way, you mm-hmm. know, because like the mind, body, green audience, like you said, nobody was writing about anxiety in that way. You mm-hmm. know, I kind of like started that whole conversation of mental health and then like other people started writing about it. And, you know, then it just kind of got drowned out. You know, they were, a lot of people were wanting to get celebrities to talk about their mental health journeys. Mm-hmm. It's like the average person can't, relate to a rich celebrities movie stars mental health journey like they have access to everything like Mm -hmm. what do you do when you have access to nothing except yourself and how do you fight through it in in, in that way and that was really like the you know what that was for me you know and so i do i feel like the the book was a little bit ahead of its time i wish i would have waited until now Mm. you know if i could but what's funny about it is like i couldn't even have imagined my life being where it is now Mm. let alone you know in 2017 2016 when i was working on the book to have an opportunity to like share a story 
of a life that I never valued, mm-hmm. right? To think that other people would take interest in that mm. was mind blowing, right? And so I was like, oh yeah, I'm taking advantage of this opportunity immediately. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I wish I had the foresight to wait, you know, and, and see where things would have ended up. Well, I think it, I mean, I, I'm glad you had it out then because you know, it was so much things were happening for you then. I know like different now it's like, whoa, all this stuff with, with the tea company, but I don't know. I feel like it's, it's cool that you had it. And now it's cool to be like, like, I just want to share with everybody, but like, look, here it is. And it's not published. I mean, maybe it will get republished or like you said, you'll repackage it or whatever, but it's like, there's some, I don't know. I don't know what the word is like street cred or just like coolness to be like, this has been going on for a long time and, and how you shared, I mean, I'm, I got it again. I think I gave away my copy to somebody. I was like looking for it. I'm like, what the hell? Where is it? So I, I, but I'm like been reading it on my phone. on like Apple books. Or whatever. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. But like this, like how you set it up with like the, the yoga kind of structure, because that's what you were, you know, the, I love how you said like the green juice and the yoga, you know, kind of got you in, but like, you know, sharing your, your childhood and like all of that you know, we didn't even have words for it. Like, I remember meeting you and being like, wow, you're so put together and you talk about this so well. And then reading your, you know, rereading it now, like the trauma, you know, trauma is such a hot topic. (laughs) Trauma and childhood abuse, addiction. These are things that are, you know, all the people that want to share stuff these are the the words and the topics and the things so i feel like it's it's cool now to kind of bring it back up and i do i do i mean i believe in your book <laughs> like i believe in you you know forever but <laughs> i believe in strong in the broken places and i was showing daisy your cover today and she asked i said that's that's a picture of my friend and the you know the, the little kid on there and she said how come there's um you know how come it's you can't see the whole thing and i said well he's been through a lot and i think that was kind of an artistic choice to you know kind of show it in that way she's like oh that's really you know she thought that was kind of cool like the how you did oh, the I love it. <laughs> I love it i love it oh daisy yeah no we um you know it's it's interesting cuz like in this i'm in the the beverage space now so everybody's like oh you know, I'm gaining like popularity and mm-hmm. beverage, right? Like every time I do a keynote, I was in Texas doing a, um, a panel yesterday and like people were like floored and in tears. But it's interesting when they come to me and they say, oh, wait a minute, you used to do yoga and mm-hmm. you wrote a book? Like, and I'm, and I'm like, yeah, man, I've been doing this shit for a long time. You know, like it's like, this is just the next phase of it, you know? Um, but even with the cover, like, that's the only picture that I have of me and my parents together. Wow. It's the only one. I don't have another. I don't even know if there's another one in existence. Mm. Um, you know, so and, and I fought with the publisher back and forth because they wanted me to like they took a like cropped image of me in the studio doing like a, <laughs> a meditation and tried mm. to put me in Baltimore City. I was like, look, yeah. this is cool. You know what I mean? Like, this is whack. I'm not doing this. I'm from Baltimore, like the real Baltimore. Don't don't try to crop me in, you know? Um, and so when we presented that, they were like, this is it, you know? Yeah. So it was, a, it was a fight with them on the creative side. They had me do a photo shoot, and I'm like, they had Lululemon. And all, I was like, look, I'm not fucking wearing Lululemon. Like, I'm not doing that. This is not what I'm talking about, some grimy shit. You know, and you want yeah. me to wear lemon on the cover? Like, get out of here. Come on, man. 
<laughs> what are we doing? Right. No, I think it's beautiful. But yeah, okay, thanks. so for, for folks that haven't read your book yet, and everybody will because it's incredible. Um, do you mind sharing just, you know, whatever you feel like sharing from how you grew up and essentially, you know, it feels like a hot extraction. Like you had all this stuff your whole life, just, you know, unimaginable to most people. And then, you know, you kind of just like parachuted yourself to this different dimension by your own, you know, deeper. I love how you like say it with, you know, divine intervention, but that how that really just came through you. And you said, all right, I'm going to go in these other places now. But how, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, you know, growing up in the the eighties and nineties in West Baltimore was, was hard, you know, it was hard. I think it was, you know, it was significantly hard on us because we were going through a heroin epidemic at the same time that other major cities in America were going through a crack epidemic, mm. you know, so the same way like crack hit Harlem and Brooklyn and it hit Chicago and, you know, Compton, like we went through that in Baltimore, but it was heroin, you know, and, and my father, um, so my, my family is on both sides, you know, just extreme addiction, but it's primarily alcoholism. Um, but my father ended up becoming addicted to heroin. And I found out later that it was actually his cousin that had him try it for the first time. And, you know, with the drug like that, all you need is one and, and you're hooked. And so, you know, that was that began the destruction of, you know, the family dynamic between myself, my mother and my father. And so, you know, when my mother ended up leaving my father, I was two years old. We didn't have a place to stay. And so, you know, we slept at her best friend's house and then we'd go stay with an aunt and then we'd go stay with my uncle. And so I don't remember us having our first place um, until I started elementary school. So I think I was in like kindergarten. So we're looking at like a three year time period of essentially like just not having a stable wow. place to live. And then, you know, just going in and experiencing like this extreme poverty and dilapidation and mm -hmm. violence, you know, West Baltimore was, you know, it, it was not a safe place to be, you know, back in those days. And, you know, then my mother um, moved us into Baltimore County, which is a suburb of, of Baltimore City. And she did that so I could attend schools in Baltimore County, you know, because they were at that time known to be, you know, a lot better academically. Um, but they were also populated with individuals who didn't look like me. And so while I'm going to these schools, you know, I'm also existing in a, in a different world. And so the expectations of who I should be as a student didn't match the reality of my circumstances, mm -hmm. you know? And so I was often like put in a box. I was often labeled. You know, it was the first time I'd experienced racism, the first time I experienced what it felt like to be othered, mm. you know, um, and 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 that was my my academic trajectory up until high school, um, you know. And so going through those things, I mean, uh, it's something I didn't even write in the book. Like I was actually molested at seven, Ugh. you know, uh, and so like it, and this was by a neighbor's son, you know, and so it, it was like there were so many things that I had experienced and had, had gone through and, you know, my mother, you know, doing the best that she could to raise me on her own, you know, in a city like Baltimore, you know, I was like trained to, to not be emotional. Right. Like, 
being emotional was was wasn't going to get me any kind of um sympathy or you know or even empathy right like i had to bite the bullet you know and just deal with it right and so you know i i grew like really cold but a, a lot of that came out in my anger because i was afraid and i was hurting and you know i had all of these things that i didn't necessarily know how to put words to because the only emotion that i was allowed to have was either happiness joy or anger mm -hmm. right and then anger was even you know like that was only allowed to a degree mm -hmm. um and so growing up not really being able to like understand my emotions or put words to how i'm feeling mm -hmm. um i think as i got older that really um you know it it, it came out in anxiety mm -hmm. and in depression um you know um and so you know going through that journey especially as a, a young adult um was challenging you know i, I was diagnosed with anxiety um, acute anxiety and depression when i was uh, 16 they wanted to put me on medication. My mother rejected the idea. Um, spent the next however many years, you know, really just trying to figure out life. Um, started working, did some, you know, um, some some not so good things in 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 the streets of Baltimore. Uh, things that I'm, you know, not proud about, but you know, so it, it happened. Um, was shot at during that time. It was almost arrested during that time. Uh, you know, and so I think all of that, what we talk about now is trauma, really just came to a halt in my in my late twenties uh, when I was officially diagnosed with severe generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, mild to, to severe major depressive disorder, and PTSD. And um, I didn't realize what was happening until I started experiencing these debilitating panic attacks and sleep in the uh, parking lot of the emergency room, you know, every night for like a month. And then I was given a medication uh, that I was told would cure me. Mm. Um, and then that medication became my new disease. I was yeah. addicted to that medication, um, was taking Ativan and Vicodin for migraines. So I was on a cocktail of prescriptions. I, you know, accidentally overdosed. I fell into a pit of depression. I attempted suicide twice. And it was only after the second suicide attempt that I really like threw my hands up. I said, God, you win, All right? Like left to my own vices, I can't kill myself correctly. Um, so clearly I'm here for a reason. I just need to figure out what that was. And um, that's when I, you know, I feel like yoga found me um, through juicing and uh, then yoga and meditation. And you were the first uh, person that I, I tried yoga with virtually. It was, you know, during the beginning stages of YouTube um, and um, saw your videos and, and you made yoga really accessible for me. It, you didn't use all of the, the Shavasanas and the Auto Mukha Shavasana and all that. Like, it was just like, no, we're going to go into this lunge and we're going to do a high lunge and then we're going to go into a push up and then we're going to come down and that push up and push back up again. And, you know, so it was like really, it was language I could understand because prior to that, I thought yoga was some weird sex cult type of thing. So I didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, me too. I thought yoga was super weird. <laughs> we talk about this so much, but, but yeah, like when you actually do it, it's, you know, it connects you with, with all those parts of yourself. And I'm sorry to like ask again, like, I feel like 
you're probably asked now that you have, and I want to like continue the journey of like your life story in this way. <laughs> but like, are you, I guess maybe a good question is, are you exhausted from being asked to share your story of your early life? Are you just like, I'm done. I'm on the other side. Or is this something that's like, okay, it's fresh every time. And you're, you're obviously like, you know, I know it's a corny word, but like you've, you're not addicted to anything, you know, unhealthy, you know, you, you're living a very incredible, you know, busy life. That's helping a lot of people. You have a great family. Like, does it feel like somebody else at this point? Or what does that feel like for you? And I know you go on panels, you just got back from a panel. I'm like, I don't know, you're gonna have time to talk to me. But like, is it what does it feel like to be sharing these stories? Do you just go on autopilot or, you know, what what is it like? Yeah. Um, well, first, I, I always have time to talk. I to know. You're so nice. <laughs> um, you know, um, you know, it's interesting, right? Because sometimes I, I don't get exhausted by it. Okay. I, I will say that. Right. Because I, I'm a firm believer that a, a shared experience is a saved life. Mm. You know, um, and the more I'm able to to share and to speak and talk, uh, the more we can, the, the more I'm I'm able to help another person not mm. feel so alone. You know, we were talking about earlier today. It's it's no fun when you're when you're by yourself, right? When you're number one, when you're alone. And for a long time, like I felt that way. You know, I didn't know anybody else that struggled with anxiety. I didn't know what. I didn't know what anxiety was, right? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know what depression was. I, I thought these were like, you know, disorders of the privileged. Like mm -hmm. I didn't have the privilege to be anxious. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the privilege to be depressed. Like I was always in survival mode. So like that was always what I focused on, right? And so, you know, I'm fortunate to be on the other side of it, but I think my, my life, my journey, my presence, uh, often gives other people permission to start to explore the areas of their lives that they need healed, mm. right? And so, yes, I'm on the other side of it, and I can talk all about the juices and all of the great things, right? But that's inaccessible to a person who hasn't quite gotten to a point where they're ready to start that journey. And mm. what I've learned is that, you know, especially in my community, because there's there's not a lot of people like me publicly, mm -hmm. that when I go into certain spaces, I give people permission to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I give them permission to um, to want something different, to try something new. Like, oh, this guy did it, and he comes from where I come from, and he's got dreadlocks and tattoos, and you know, he was in the streets, and he's from Baltimore, and I'm, you know, from wherever in America, right? Mm -hmm. I, I've had a similar experience. If he did it, and, mm -hmm. you know, his masculinity wasn't challenged and questioned, and he's still able to show up every day and find happiness and joy in life, then why can't I? Mm -hmm. And that's the that's the beauty of it for me, right? Because it's, it's just the question of why can't I, or the statement of, I never looked at it that way. Mm -hmm. Those two things are the the beginning stages of somebody like identifying something that needs to be shifted and, and and finding the courage to do it. Right. I often say like most people don't change because they want to. They change because they have to. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think by sharing we and, and allowing people to see someone else's vulnerability, it can entice them to change because they want to. Mm -hmm. 
So good. I can't wait to see. I mean, I don't know. We're all, we're all going to get old together, hopefully. But like when you're 70 and you give these speeches, it's going to be like, wow, shit. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're such a good speaker. The When, when I first asked you um, and you said yes, so thank you for that, like coming to the studio and just talking to the training group. I was like, wow, like, I, I mean, you said that was the first time you spoke to a group like that. I, I, I thought you were kidding with me because you were so, you're just such a talented speaker and everything you say is obviously from experience, but also that divine wisdom. And it comes through really, really clearly. And I think it just reaches so many people. So I'm just, I'm so happy that you're doing it. And I'm happy that you, you keep sharing all the panels and all the things that ask you to say this stuff, but it's really oh, cool. It was, yeah. I was nervous because I was, you know, and it was, it was interesting too. Cause like I was nervous to even come to the Strala studio <laughs> after I realized how close it was when I was getting my 200 hour. Cause like you were for me, like you, you were like, you know, the, like, like every, like everything that you were doing and teaching, like literally helped to save my life, mm. you know? And, and so you were on a pedestal to me for a long time. And I was like, you know, you know, I was always afraid, like, damn, what if she's not cool? You know what I'm saying? Like, she's a jerk. And like, and, and she did all this amazing work and helped save my life, but we don't get along, you know? Mm. So I was like afraid to meet you for a very long time. And then, you know, there were, there were multiple opportunities where I was, I, I had the ability to, to go into spaces where you were. And I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna go. And then that Mind Body Green event, I was like, you know what? Screw it, man. Like, I'm going to go. And then I saw you. And as soon as I saw you, I left. Oh, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I left. I left. I went in the hallway and I had to give myself a pep talk. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, you know what I mean? Like, just go say hi and just say thank you. Like, that's it. And then, and then you can go, you know, um, and and it, it just it turned into something incredible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thank you for, you know what you do and 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 the the impact you've had in my life and and then to to meet and then within 24 48 hours allowing me the opportunity to speak to the Strala trainees um which was my first public speaking in, in, event ever um so like you've you've been a part of a lot of firsts for me you know that's given me the confidence um to continue to do the things that I do now well I knew you were cool the moment I saw you I was like okay there's there's got to be a story here. He's he's here. He's just standing. He's standing around. Like I want to go talk to that guy. It looks really cool. You know, when you just have an instinct, like I'm gonna go. Yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad we connected. Obviously. <laughs> so and now all of our, you know, we have a lot of mutual friends and all that. But um, sweet. I mean, you are always doing it. Can you share a little bit about? Because I think it's so incredible. Also, not just did you kind of extract yourself from your environment and the addictions and the and the circumstances, but then you became, you know, I guess slowly, but you know, you got yourself a book deal. That's a big deal. You know, you were blogging, you were writing, you were, you know, you started teaching yoga, you started telling people to green juice. <laughs> you were like, you became like, I'm going to go and through any means, any media, any, you know, way that we were sharing back then, like go and help people. How did you then become or like get yourself to that place where you were like, I'm going to write, you know, these blogs. I remember there were like five tips on like green juicing and like four tips on anxiety. But I know also knowing you that you were 
you know, you're smart with reading and writing and words and communications and sharing and all of that. So is that kind of like uh, a thought out plan or, you know, how did that feel from going from one to then the the writing side of it and the sharing side of it? Yeah. Um, this is a great question. Steve. <laughs> I try not to ask the boring ones. <laughs> um you know, I was in, I was in, I was into music for for years, right? And so I did a lot of songwriting and and writing, whether poetry or music or whatever. It was really like my medium of expression. Um, and so when I was, you know, coming on the other side, well, I was still in the process, but when I was coming out on the other side of it, you know, I um I didn't have an intention of sharing my personal story at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie, Carrie Shaw, uh, she's a former editor for Mind Body Green. I was writing a lot of like, you know, five green juice recipes to start your day and, you know, you know, 10 exercises for your core and, you know, just five things to keep in your gym bag at all time, right? Like just dumb stuff. Um, just as a way to kind of like get my name into the space. You know, I wanted I wanted people to know who I was. I just didn't want them to know everything. And I was working on an article once and Carrie reached back out to me. She said, listen, this piece is great. And this was the first time I'd ever talked to Carrie because she would normally just see the article, make whatever edits needed to be made, and then it would go up. But she emailed me and was like, listen, there's something that I feel like you're not saying mm. that you want to say. Um, so like, Say it. Wow. And I went back and wrote something else and fluffed up and sent it back. And she was like, listen, like, no, you're you're teetering on the line of something mm. that I think would be very impactful. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. So and she was like, listen, she said, if I send you a list of questions, mm. will you answer them honestly? Wow. I said, yes, absolutely. She said, and then with your permission, can I take those questions and I mean, take those answers and input them into this piece that you're writing? I said, yes. Um, And so she sent me those questions. I answered them honestly. She pieced it into it. And that was the first article on My Mighty Green that like went viral. Wow. You know, Um, and. You know, and viral at that time and viral yeah. this time is completely different. But that was the one that like it got your attention. It got yeah. Chris Carr's attention. It got Gabby Bernstein's attention. It got, you know, I mean, it, you know, I had uh, I forgot the woman Leanne Rhymes reached out to me on Twitter because of that piece. And, mm. you know, so like that was the piece that really I, I was like, holy guacamole, like <laughs> who actually care. Yeah. You know, like. People are actually going through, like the people who I think have the perfect life mm. can relate to my imperfect life. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's like I started to like get a lot of like DMs. This was when Twitter was heavy. I wasn't even on Instagram at the time. And like people would just like DM me or or tag me and like, oh, this saved my life. Or they would email me and 
this was incredible. And I've never heard anybody say anything like this. And, you know, and I think the article was like the day I ditched, what was it? The day I ditched pain pills for green juice or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was the title of it. And, um, you know, that, that let me know that there were a lot of people who were experiencing something very similar and was, and, and they were all looking for a way out. And mm-hmm. so while I was, I may have been one of the first to talk about it, there were thousands of people going through it at the same time that I was. And I was just a little bit ahead of them in finding my way, um, finding my way out on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And so that was really the foundation um, of like wanting to to share and write more and, and you know, from those articles and and then giving that keynote at, at Revitalize, um, I think that was maybe 2015. Um, you know, I was, and then Huffington Post came on and then, you know, I just started writing for all of these other places and that, and, and I really was able to leverage that into a publishing deal, uh, in 2017 with Rodale, uh, my publisher, my, the editor from that publisher actually went to Johns Hopkins university. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had experienced what life in Baltimore was. And so when she read you know, our pitch and everything. She was like, wow, like I, I have a personal connection to this and I know that this is what people need. Mm. Um, and so we were able to kind of like move it from that point. Cool. Yeah. That's, I think that's empowering for people too, especially now. Like I'm so glad that you and I both kind of were doing the things at that time. I mean, I know it was harder in so many ways, but now it's just so, it's so different. I don't know if it's harder or easier, but it's so much easier to, I think for a lot of people that in our community that want to do stuff, they can distract, they can do a lot more of the wrong things trying to get there instead of just, you know, submit your ideas to a blog and things like that. So, but I think that's a great just story and, and sharing what's underneath the thing that you're doing. I mean, it just, reminded me of yoga. Like I share yoga because, you know, I just saw all these idiots like taking it away from people by making it complicated or, you know, abusive or dogma based. And I was like, no, yoga is great, but like, there's so many idiots. <laughs> like, And I don't need to be like the person who's like the best at it, but you can share it w- and, and help people connect without all of them, you know, gatekeeping, I guess, or what I mean, there's so many words like there wasn't even a word for like culture appropriation back then. But I'm like, I'm not going to wear an Indian costume and speak in an Indian accent or even say these Sanskrit words because it it I'm going to do it wrong because I'm not from there. <laughs> you know what I mean? How's anyone going to relate to me, you know, being like a Illinois kid if I try to pretend like I'm somebody else. But you've, you know, you've always been yourself. And I think that's just, you know, part of your superpower as well. All right, can we talk tea? <laughs> yeah, always. Absolutely. So, so then, you know, there's like the green juice and the yoga and and you uh, you you figured out, can you just tell the story of the tea in the beginning? I mean, I still I made like a little bit of the your old like the what's it called? Like the your one of your old like secret mixtures the other day. <laughs> But now it's all fancy in cans and in stores and stuff. <laughs> you know, the story, the story behind, you know, starting it and, you know, just sending it out to friends and just kind of like figuring out, again, you really took this ancient wisdom of of tea and 
made it, you know, so it's medicinal. So it like helps you and helps your family and helps other people and, um, you know, spreads a message. Like the name is so cool as well. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny cause I, I never thought in a million years I would actually have a product, let alone <laughs> like a beverage, right? Like tea, drinking tea was a, a, a evening ritual for me um, when I was going through this recovery process, right? It was like green juice, you know, yoga, meditation, more green juice. I was like vegan. And then at night I would drink a cup of tea, you know, and that was just my ritual. Um, and uh, you know, I got really into it, you know, um, where my mom bought me, I still have it. It's in, on top of my cabinet, this black cast iron, like yoga, I mean, um, uh, tea kettle and, you know, like, you know, it was, it was like 150 bucks at the time. It was like, you know, that was a lot for my mother to like invest and say, Hey, like, this is something you like, like explore it. Um, but that was really like the first time that I really like got into tea because, you know, I was I would go in the mall and they would have these tea shops and I would see like these loose teas. And I was like, well, if they have loose teas, what the hell am I doing buying these bags? Like this is this is this can't be right. And, and you know, so I, I explored with it there. Um, but then when when, you know, my son was diagnosed with ADHD, he was seven. Um, and, you know, up to that point, we had done everything from pulling him out of traditional schools, put him into a private online school. Um, you know, he was going to like occupational therapy and uh, behavioral therapy and like just, you know, all of these things going to yoga. I mean, he went to Strala a few times. Right. You know, it was like and he was still like having a really difficult time when it came to school. Like he never had behavior problems. Mm -hmm. He just couldn't focus long enough. You know, like he yeah. He was just from one thing to another, you know, constantly. And um, his neurologist had suggested that he drink green tea. She was mm -hmm. like, hey, giving him tea. And I was like, no, why would I give my son caffeine? He already can't sit still. This is crazy. And she said, well, the, the thing with green tea is that it has a high level of L-theanine, mm -hmm. which is an amino acid, I believe, um, that's great for calming the mind. And then you have this small amount of caffeine, mm -hmm. which helps to trigger focus right it's not like coffee where you're wired it actually helps you to focus and so like that combination of of the two was supposed to help mm -hmm. and it was like okay well this is an easy way like let's do it because i we had you know made the conscious decision to not medicate mm -hmm. because of my own experiences right um and so we go out and try to buy green teas and he would try them and wouldn't want to drink it you know mm -hmm. and i was like and i after i would to try it. I was like, shit, I wouldn't want to drink it either. Right. <laughs> so the mission really became like figuring out how to make tea palatable to a, mm. like, by this time he was nine. So to a nine year old. Mm. Um, and that was the mission that we needed to solve for. Right. And mm. through a lot of trial and error and research and, um, you know, we were able to land on a blend that, that became a part of his daily ritual and routine. And then my wife and I started to just create tea blends for different things in the family. Mm. You know, and at the time I was working in nonprofit and ended up leaving my job, um, you know, and, and I looked at my wife and said, hey, why don't we make available to other families what we created for our own? You know, we had had like 10 different tea blends we were just mm -hmm. drinking and experimenting with. And, um, you know, so we did and, and we launched uh, in 2021, we launched our loose leaf 
Um, because, you know, our, my goal, and this was, we were in Baltimore at the time, you know, we, we, you know, I wanted to, uh, we both wanted to like see what people would like, right. On the, the direct to consumer side, mm -hmm. but because it was, we were just like on the, in the middle of COVID, mm. what we wanted to do was like, see how things went after COVID and we were going to open up a tea shop oh, in wow. Baltimore. So I had been talking to like attorneys. Mm. There was a new development uh, called Port Covington. Um, it's now called like the Baltimore Peninsula, but it was Port Covington. It's like the last waterfront property available in Baltimore. Um, the founder of Under Armour, Kevin Plank, had, had purchased it. And, you know, he was building a mixed use development. And, you know, we had identified a, a retail space and we were going to do that. And um Around that same time, you know, we had the the Black Lives Matter uprising. Um, and so, you know, while all of this was like really in the beginning phases, like I also took it on, took the social media to like call out the wellness world for, you know, talking a big game and, and not delivering on any of it. Right. You know, you go in people's, they put the black box, <laughs> you know, and then you go and scroll down three weeks and like, you know, there's there's no other black stuff being discussed, yeah. right? As if it just started with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, right? right? So I was just kind of like tired of you know mm -hmm. of 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 the wellness world, you know, finding things to to attach itself to, um, and uh, and that caught the attention of a lot of individuals, um, including you know Gwyneth Paltrow, and um, then she and I connected, and I, I was able to get some teas to her and. Um, I got some teas to you and you introduced me to, to Tia Mori and, you know, we got some teas to her and, you know, I, I realized at the time that we, we had something, yeah. you know, um, through a lot of research and, and, and just identifying that America didn't really have much of a tea culture mm -hmm. and that, you know, it, the economy wasn't sure what um brick and mortar would look like you know once people were able to like be people again and and commune mm -hmm. um and so we realized like that 85 percent of tea consumed in america is in a ready-to-drink form mm -hmm. and so it, one of the the, the the feedback that we had gotten was like hey i made this tea was it supposed to taste like this did i do something <laughs> wrong I, how do i know if the water is 170 degrees if i don't have a machine and you know and so you know then it was like we realized like there's a process to this like i have you know like five different like water temperature kettles and you know we're in it we're tea mm -hmm. people you know but not everybody is and so it became a, a matter of accessibility mm -hmm. it was like you know with equity like we 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 there's a social component to that, right? We want people to prioritize their mental health. We want access to mental health-based products to be equitable, to be accessible. Um, and how are we doing that if what we were creating was inaccessible to so many people because they also needed a bunch of money to buy a bunch of additional tools? Mm -hmm. uh, and so the it was really about taking the guesswork out of it for consumers and creating something that was high quality, that was functional, uh, that had efficacy and that every time a person took a sip, they would know that they were prioritizing their mental and physical health. And that was really the foundation behind us doing the, the can teas. But, you know, overall, I'm still a, I'm still a loose leaf fanatic. I'm still studying to become a tea sommelier. I'm drinking my loose oh. leaf oolong right now, you know, so, uh, you know, the, the teas and the cans are great, but 
you know, I'm still a loose leaf dude at heart. Oh, that's cool. That's like the, I mean, it's not like it's high end and, and low end or whatever, but it's sort of like, you know, I could see, you know, obviously equity is taking off like wildfire, but like, and then you kind of, you know, everybody can kind of dig into a little bit more, be like, oh, this is how you do the other one at home and like kind of keep it going. So I think that's just amazing. I mean, I'm like, look at you, like a whole CEO, you, you know, all these like terms and stuff like consumers and this and trends and research. I'm like, wow, it's so cool. It's so impressive. Um, it's it funny because you and Michelle had said, Michelle Morrows from, um, y'all had said years ago that I mentioned something about doing tea and I don't, yeah, I don't did. remember yeah. that at all. But I remember yeah. you used to drink a lot of coffee and I was like, tea, like we got to get you some tea. Like we yeah. got to, you know, um, but you know, so it's like, it's incredible how the universe works. Cause I still have no recollection of that. Oh, that's, that's wild too. Um, and I remember, I don't remember if this is in, in your book or maybe it was in one of the in-person events that I went to, but did you share that your mom used to put like, like, cause how you have this whole medicinal, like, you know, help heal the people in your family. Did your mom used to put like a potato on your foot for fever? Is that something? <laughs> So did this yeah. kind of come from from like passed yeah, out? Was, I think you know w without knowing my 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 true ancestry, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I I I looked at my family tree, but I haven't been able to go past like nineteen thirties, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but yes, the the you know I, I, ancestrally, I don't we didn't have access to like medication, we you know, and, and things like that, so we had to naturally find like other ways to like heal ourselves. And so when I was growing up, my mother, she never liked to give me medicine, you know, unless she had to, like, I had to be like dying for her to like give me a shot of penicillin or something. Right. Um, wow. You know? So yeah, when I would have a fever, she would cut up potatoes and wrap them around my ankles and wrists with socks and I would sleep. Um, and the potatoes would actually help to draw the fever out. Mm. That's and, amazing. Um, I, I thought it was weird, right? Until like one day I had my son and I didn't, and he had a high fever mm. and um, I didn't want to give him any Tylenol or Motrin or anything. And I did it. Mm. I had potatoes and I wrapped them up and um, it actually worked. Wow. It, it drew the fever out. He was, he felt a hundred percent better the next day. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, I, you know, as weird as, I, as it was, it was actually, it, it actually worked and she got that from my grandfather and, mm -hmm. and you know God only knows where he got it from wow and now you're healing like literally the world with uh with your teas with equity my goodness oh my gosh i'm, I'm, I'm fine <laughs> you're doing great are you kidding <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> um okay one more question i know you got loads to do today um, oh, we can friend. talk all day. See, you know, like, that's it. We <laughs> i'll call you later we just chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think this is a good question, especially because you've now, you, I mean, obviously you've just done, you've been through so much and done through so much. And, you know, the last few years, I feel like another huge rebirth. But if there's like some kid walking by you just on the street or like in the grocery store when you're checking up on your teas and, you know, is there something you'd say whispered in somebody's ear that just needs a little help before you hand them a tea <laughs> and then hand them a tea? But is there, you know, one, one bit that you would just, you know, kind of blow in there and, and go with that. 
Yeah, I, li- I live by I live by three simple simple. I'm not gonna say rules, but beliefs. Right. Um, the first is that God is real. Um, prayer works, and no matter what happens, you've already survived a hundred percent of your worst days. Mm. Right. And so I think, and and I have to remind myself of that all the time, especially, you know, especially now, right. That, you know, there's some days that I, I still wake up and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. You know, like, I just, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, and or or I'm questioning like why am I even here and like what am I doing and you know I, you know the the imposter syndrome is so real especially in entrepreneurship mm-hmm. um, so it's like it doesn't matter for me sometimes like how much I've accomplished and you know all of those things you know it's like sometimes I I, I you know I get down on myself mm-hmm. um, but I also have to remember like every room that I'm in. I'm in there because I'm supposed to be. Mm. Uh, and everything that I've prayed for, I've been able to get. I've manifested it. I've been blessed with it. You know, I'm I celebrate 40 years on this planet tomorrow. I didn't think I would get past 21. Mm. Right. And so every day I celebrate life, even when things are challenging, right? Only a few years ago, I told my wife, I said, for the first time in my life, I actually, I can actually say like, I'm happy and I love my life Mm. and I want to be here. And I didn't feel like that for a very long time, right? A lot of people often would say, oh, you, you exude so much confidence and you've always done so much. And, you know, and it's like, I, I did those things because I was often told that I couldn't, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't because I was confident in my belief that I could, it was that I refused to allow someone else to tell me I couldn't. Mm. And and like, that's how I lived for a very long time, you know? And so that, that confidence that people perceived from me was just the persistence and wanting to prove people wrong. Um, you know? And so once I started to like really shift that mindset and recognize that everything that I pray for I got it. It may not have come when I wanted it. It may not have come how I wanted it, but I eventually got it. It didn't look the same. You know, it didn't, it wasn't what I envisioned, right? Some, it was completely different than I imagined it, but it gave me the exact same feeling that I wanted, right? And so like that, there's nothing anyone can ever tell me to make me feel like God isn't real and that prayer doesn't work. But then the other side of it is, you know, when I do tell stories about what I've gone through and what I've experienced and what I went through, all of those moments were moments that I didn't think I could survive. Mm. And the fact that I'm here now and I'm able to look back in retrospect and share those things, still sometimes feel those emotions that I Mm. felt then, but to know that I did come out on the other side of it, right? You know. I've already survived a hundred percent of the days that I often thought I wouldn't survive. So like my track record for survival is stellar, you know? And so, and and so if, if I'm ever able to talk to another person, sometimes they need to be reminded of that too, right? Their batting average is 
a hundred per every you've hit a home run every time you've been at bat. <laughs> Babe Ruth can't say that. <laughs> True. Right. So, you know, we just need to often we're told more about what we can't do and less about what we can, mm. you know, and even less about what we have done. Right. Mm. And so I think just being able to have those reminders sometimes um are absolutely necessary. So those would be the, the three things I would say. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, it reminds me there's a line in your book about armor and how, you know, you felt like you had it and just like about armor in general. I mean, like we need the book of like Quentin one-liners, <laughs> like the little quotes, you know, wisdom quotes. I'm just tired of like only old people like having these wisdom book. There's like so many younger people that have good ideas. You know? so, like, I'm going to campaign for, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, come on, we don't need some old person who's like already, you know, in their mansion or whatever. But um, uh, you said something about armor and it was like really profound about how it can be this show of strength and you feel like you're protected, but then really suffocating inside. But it feels like that's everything that you just kind of summed up and how to take the armor off, but still feel protected. And it feels like now, maybe I'm just reading into to you, but it feels like now your armor is completely off and you're strong and comfortable and you know, yeah, I found strength in my broken places. <laughs> you know, the the armor the armor that I thought I needed for survival is not the same armor that I need to thrive. Mm. Right, and like I think in every in every area of our lives, we we sh we should require certain things of ourselves, or or society requires certain things. You know, from mm -hmm. ourselves. So for me. I needed to protect my vulnerability because I didn't know how to be vulnerable, mm. right? I thought vulnerability was weakness. And so I had to put on that armor to, to seem strong, you know, uh, when, in, when truthfully I was, I was feeling weak, you know, and, and I think so many of us, you know, we hide our vulnerabilities through anger or through silence or, you know, through, you know, addictions and all of these other things. Like we, we hide that vulnerability we're not giving ourselves permission to 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 fully be human right and to and i think to be human is to be vulnerable because it's through those vulnerabilities that we get to connect to another human mm -hmm. you know we're all spiritual beings having a human experience right so like it it doesn't matter we all breathe the same air we bleed the same blood right we 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 all want and require the same things out of life right so so why are we so afraid to share that, right? Why are we afraid to share our brokenness? You know, because if, if you can't understand my brokenness, then when I'm outside and I'm a, I'm a black dude in America and I'm outside and I'm smiling and I'm joyful and I'm frolicking and I'm doing all of those things, then you won't then understand my joy mm -hmm. because you don't understand my pain, right? And so I think, and, 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 and that works collaboratively, like that works as a community. And I think that's what you've done so great with Strala is you've helped to build a community where people feel safe and comfortable just being themselves. Like to me, that's the foundation of Strala's practice. Like your down dog's not going to look like the person next to you, right? Oh, if you want to go in playtime and handstand, do it. If not, don't, it's fine. Right. I remember being in class doing a completely different routine than what you were teaching. And it was fine. 
There was no rigidity. There was no, what are you doing? We're supposed to be in Warrior 2 right now. Like, there was, you know, I'm in child's pose. Well, who cares? I'm doing forearm stand. You're doing Warrior. Like, it's fine, right? It's it's giving people permission to show up how they are, for who they are, wherever they are. Mm. And I think that's the that's what we need to get more of in, in this world. Mm. Well, you're doing a great job of all the things. And um Strong in the Broken Places. We're going to just put it on the front shelf of Barnes & Noble. <laughs> Take it from the shelf where it is and put it in the front. Uh, it'll get there because it's amazing. And then Equity, you know, it's it seems like it's just taking over in all the stores and all the places and just keep growing. But is there any place you're sending folks now to to find more about you and more about all the things? Yeah, we, you know, we're, we're right now, we're in, um, about 400 sprouts locations wow. nationwide. Well, in, in, in 23 states, um, you know, we're working on some additional retail partners, a few being in Illinois specifically. So, uh, that'll be dope. It'll be a great, great, great way to get to, to Illinois pretty soon. Um, you know, but yeah, every, you can f- find everything on equity.com, E-Q-U-I-T-E-A. Um, you know, and, and as we continue, this is a, a, t- a hard, tough road, but you know, we are, we are growing and, and things are looking up. Amazing. I can't even imagine, you know, it's a big deal, but, um, thanks so much for taking the time. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you. I appreciate you always. My goodness. How inspiring is Quentin Vinny? Make sure to add Strong in the Broken Places, his book, to your shelf for your healing and inspiration. Pass it along. It's a great one to buy a copy for a friend. And if you are hanging around near a Sprouts grocery store, make sure you go in there and get yourself some equity as well and share the love on that. It's so yummy and delicious also. Yay. As always, you can practice with us on the Strala Yoga app. Let us know if you need any help joining. We have practices every day to connect you to your center, help you slow down, find that ease, enjoy and cultivate a radiant, healthy body and mind so you can live your life and serve in the world the way that you are able to when you feel good and connected. So big hugs. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for listening or watching and see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.